Greetings and welcome to another episode of the SREC podcast. Today we are talking about student communications. We have some news and initiatives coming up that will be of interest to prospective and current students. We've recently appointed a dedicated student communications officer, Sean Cameron, and Sean is joining me today. Hi, Sean. Hi, William. So, Sean, before we get into what's coming up for students, tell us a little bit more about yourself, sort of your background, your role, and what you feel some of the challenges are facing us in terms of student comms. Sure. So, um, I graduated from an MB, uh, sorry, an MA in Heritage Management at Bath Spa University in uh, 2015, had no plans, uh, and there was a job available in PhD admissions and uh, researcher development. So I applied for that and I got the job. It was quite uh, varied and diverse role, got to stick my finger in a lot of different pies and organise events and some of the admissions were uh, quite fun to do as well. There was all the creative arts and artistic subjects, so you had uh, people applying to study like, you know, Dark Clown and all sorts of other sort of unusual topics. Um, I got promoted a year after that um, to become team coordinator, uh, broadened my kind of list of responsibilities and then within another couple of years I was manager of the department. Um, continued that, found that I was doing a lot of different things and I kind of wanted to specialise and the role came up at Stirling, um, so I applied for that and got that, which was um, student programmes coordinator graduate. They're really focused on um, like communicating the outcome of VIVA's um, upholding regulations, student casework. Um, but I found after a few months it wasn't really for me. Um, then this position came up at SRUC, which focused just on communications, which I thought was really interesting. So I applied for that and got it. And um, been in post for getting on a year now. And uh, it's been uh, it's been sort of it's been obviously a challenge, but it's been a sort of a really interesting and diverse role that I've really found quite rewarding. Um, when it comes to the challenges of you know comes at SRUC, I mean, you know, it's kind of to do with the um, the demographics and the makeup, because uh, you're talking about, you know, campuses in, from Dumfries up to Aberdeen uh, spread all across the country in um, quite remote rural locations a lot of the time. Uh, got students undertaking an incredibly diverse range of subjects from agriculture to, to animal care and horticulture and everything else, at all sorts of different levels from NC up to PhD. Um, you've got students undertaking research, you've got all sorts of different research centres, um, different people to stay in touch with, um, and you've got people who are 15, 16, coming to study, you know, at Elmwood, and then you've got people who are in their 60s who are um, sort of retraining it, trying to sort of understand the wants and needs of all those people, what information they need to receive and when they receive it is, uh, is my challenge, obviously, um, and that's like... Kind of, the, you know, the, when it, if we're talking about what I do, that's really like the meat of it is understanding how we communicate with our students from start to finish and kind of building a map of what they need to hear and when they need to hear it. Um, and so I do that and I do kind of like, uh, there's the NSS and the SSES, all the major surveys, I do all the communications for those, student experience improvement projects, things that we're doing to try and, you know, help students, they need to know about things we're doing. Um, so there's listening exercises, the consultative element to it. I speak to a lot of staff and help them reach students. I also handle the weekly student bulletin. goes out to all of our students, which I hope they read. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, and uh, the my SREC app in Moodle. So it's there's and there's more being added to the portfolio of responsibilities I hold as well with every passing month. So um, we'll see where it end up. 
but it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting challenge, but definitely a, a good one. Interesting. And uh, I hear we've got student elections coming up. So what's happening there and how can students get involved in that? So, yep, we've got uh, nominations open for a set of student elections that are in, on the 2nd of uh, October. Um, they'll be taking on four uh, liberation officers and four academic board members. They'll obviously all sit within the um, SRUC Student Association. So liberation officers um, aim to represent and increase the visibility of um, traditionally kind of um, underrepresented groups. So black and ethnic minority, uh, for women, for th- that sort of area, but four that are targeted in specific areas. Academic board members will go to um, obviously meetings of academic boards where they where there will be the student voice and they can really you know um, make their opinions heard in a sort of privileged circle. Um, so it's it's a it's an opportunity for students to really um, make their voices heard, obviously, but also for anyone who applied, it'd be a really great um, way to diversify their CV a little bit and gain some employment skills as well. Um, so nominations will be open for two weeks, and then elections will run. Uh, from the 30th of October for about five days um, and anyone who nominates themselves will be given a full set of training and uh, you know the support they need to thrive as it were uh, directly from the student association so we've got that upcoming um, and that also coincides uh, with our campaign about student voice which we're about to launch um, and that's really trying to break down for students which is you know student, student voice is obviously really important but uh, I think it's one of those terms that is quite easily understood for us as people who work in a university. But um, outside of that, I mean, what does it mean as a non-academic thing? What what does it mean to someone who's just coming in straight from high school or something? So it's trying to break down exactly what, you know, student voice is, why it's important, um, why people should pay attention, and obviously give examples of what students can do to deliver some kind of real change. Um, because it's, it's, it's extremely possible. I mean, um, we're always listening to students and wanting to act on issues they raise. Um, so, I mean, a good example of that was uh, this time last year, there were issues with timetabling um, at the start of term where some things hadn't been finalised and there was obviously a bit of uh, upset from students because, you know, we need to plan your life around your timetable. So getting that right is really important. Um, but that was reinforced by students continually at every point that they had the chance to do so. Um, and because of that, it stayed at the top of the agenda for everyone who could fix the problem. And because of that, it got fixed in not necessarily record time, but it got fixed quickly and certainly quicker than it would have otherwise. Um, and because of that, hopefully, we're not going to experience the same problems this year. We've certainly not had any uh, indication that was the case. Um, and a small example as well is, uh, so obviously, Barony, campus um for people who don't know is uh beautiful it's quite remote it's set in the middle of you know the Dumfriesshire and galloway countryside and uh street lighting is not easy to come by um and if you're a student particularly in winter finishing class after maybe half three four o'clock start to get dark and um, there's lots of unlit paths um, and that doesn't make people feel especially safe obviously so uh, the student association and the previous co-president Ros Asley raised that repeatedly and because of that because the resources were diverted towards it and there was lighting put along the path from the campus to the car park just to provide the extra level of sort of security and obviously to make people feel a bit safer when they're going out so that was a relatively small thing 
but a very direct and real thing that students are able to do to actually change something about their experience or their lives. You know, there's, there's lots more that can be done. And so hopefully, well, <laughs> following the campaign, people understand there's going to be things on social media, there's going to be a video, there's going to be a bit more going on, to, um, obviously stuff in the newsletter to sort of break it down. Um, hopefully people will be engaged with that and will come away from it knowing more about what Student Voice is. And then I'd love it if they were also then um, inclined to nominate themselves to run to be a liberation officer or a academic board member or anything else that comes up and can get involved and really, you know, help other people and help themselves. Um, so see what happens. Yeah. So that campaign around Student Voice coincides with elections. And um, what, what achievements has the student body made as a result of Student Voice? Are they able to make a real difference? Well, it's not just a case of kind of sort of, I mean, there's obviously tangible benefits like, you know, at um, Oatridge, there were issues with uh, where it was like um, where cleaning equipment was being stored in a bathroom and students wanted to use the bathroom, but it kept getting stored there. And so they raised the issue and it stopped getting stored there. So that was a small thing where people wanted to do something and they were able to change it relatively quickly. That was one meeting of student liaison committee that was raised and it was dealt with. Um, and there's bigger things like, you know, coming back to Oatridge, um, there's been issues with cellular connectivity there for years now. I mean, again, it's uh, true to SRUC, it's a beautiful campus, but it is quite far away from population centres. It doesn't have 5G or 4G or any Gs as far as we can tell. It's 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 not great and if you're a student you're trying to organize your life if you're trying to phone your kids if you're trying to get anything done you can't do it because there's no reception so the, the the complaint has been continually how do we get mobile reception and that's been on our agenda for a long time but again that's because we know students want it i mean there, there's some obviously going to be some barriers occasionally going to find where there's maybe like a budget problem or something that there's occasional limits to what can be done but our job is to provide the best student experience we can and that's kind of like always going to be in direct response to what students are telling us. We need to know from students what 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 their issues are, what the concerns are, what the problems are, things that are bugging them, because then we can actually react to those and we can improve the student experience in small ways and big ways. We can iterate and give people next year a better experience, but we can also do things right now to um, fix problems big and small that... Um, you know might otherwise be ignored i mean that's that's kind of a big problem is understanding that that it's it's it doesn't have the name of a democracy but it is a democracy you know i mean we mean there, there's representation and students can oppose things they be for things but they can have a voice and it's important they use it and it's better for everyone that they're heard so that's kind of yeah that being heard is really important and uh, I believe we're about to launch a student mental health and well-being strategy so could you tell us a wee bit more about that? Sure so that's quite interesting actually because that was um, done in co-design with uh, the student association so um, it's been a period of review that took place across uh, 2022 and into early this year um, a mental health survey was done of our students we had roughly 397 responses and of those, around uh, 37% of our students declared a mental health issue. Um, so without prying into what those are, that's obviously a relatively high proportion. And there's a mental health crisis facing students across the UK as well. I mean, there's all sorts of different pressures that are coming on them at the moment, not least the cost of living crisis. So this is our response to that survey. It's a strategy that tries to provide an organisation-wide approach 
um, and we're hoping to address inequalities raised by mental health issues. And as I said, it's been designed with students at the heart of it. So it's their voice that's been embedded at every point. So hopefully it will be quite fitting with what they need. Um, and it focuses on uh, five key areas, uh, the first of which is prevention. And then it's communication and guidance and staff development, because a part of this is, um, you know, from, from the perspective of the institution, sometimes it's difficult to know who the student's going to speak to. It could be a receptionist, it could be a lecturer, it could be the trained professional who is you know, meant to deal with the issue. Is it who do you feel comfortable um, speaking to? So it's ensuring staff have the right level of um, training to know at least who to refer the students onto from that point. It's about promoting belonging and engagement. Um, there'll be parts of it where we'll be looking at, you know, data and evaluation, we'll be seeing what's worked and what hasn't and how to iterate and improve for coming years. Um, and also providing uh, general and specialist support to students. Um, it really focuses a lot on uh, training and reporting and the establishment of new processes. Um, and we're trying to kind of, you know, push forward the idea that we are big enough to help, but we're also small enough to care. That, you know, we are an institution that has a lot of students, but not so many that we can't deal with people's individual problems and get them through their course of study in as fit a state as we can. Fantastic. And um, in particular, um, we've, we've talked about Barony and we've talked about uh, Oatridge, but for students and staff in Edinburgh, they'll no doubt have seen the preparations in place for the works at the Peter Wilson building. Uh, what impact will this have on students and what sort of benefits will it be delivering for them? It'll provide a lot of benefits for students, we hope. So um, the, the big thing change is obviously going to be that currently where our reception is will change it will be shuttled around to the back of the building um so that's just going to provide a sort of more modern look and be a bit shinier and nicer but the big key takeaway is that it's also going to be a lot more uh, accessible it's going to be uh because our accessibility in the current building is not quite where it should be and accessibility is going to be kind of at the key so at the heart of um all of the developments that are taking place so there'll be the new reception. The quad is getting changed. It's getting uh, sort of spruced up, made a bit prettier, made a bit more um, appealing. But there's also going to be an accessible doorway from the arcade into the quad. Um, so hopefully that will encourage more people to use it. Um, lecture theatres are getting um, underfloor heating, uh, which will make them more fuel efficient um, when it comes to heating and more friendly for the climate. Um, those are kind of the sort of, you know, housekeeping kind of changes. The big change, the one that's the most exciting, is the vertical farm that we're putting in place. Um, so that will be at the, well, the new front of the building that's currently the rear. Um, that's not going to be necessarily unique in Scotland or the UK, but it will be a brand spanking new modern facility that's temperature controlled and every single environmental factor that you could imagine can be controlled and down to the amount of water and light that reaches plants. It's a new and obviously incredibly high-tech um, version of farming that's uh, not quite seen widespread adoption, but we're going to be using it for teaching and PhD projects and researchers. Uh, it will be a, you know, it's something you know, because it's controlled, people will have to, you know, wear, you know, a hazmat suit, that sort of thing. There'll be like some some restrictions on going in, but it's going to be a a really exciting addition to our teaching space. Um, we'll be using it to grow lots of leafy plants. I think part of the plan, as far as I understand, is to be uh, selling some of the produce that we grow in there and donating it to food banks and charities and the rest. Lots of nice leafy greens, and um, but it also just provides us with 
uh, a facility that certainly in Edinburgh doesn't seem to be another one um, that will be a really exciting place for students to learn more about the future of farming and learn skills that will you know stand them well 30 years into the future as well as potentially right now so yeah fantastic well thank you very much for your time today sean um if you want to find out more about student life at sruc and studying with us please visit our website sruc.ac.uk and explore the study with us section it's just been revamped and contains information not just on the courses we offer but a lot of stuff on fees funding the pathways to study and our soon to be launched vet school and much more besides all of that thanks for listening and we'll catch you in a future episode